The Youthscape Podcast. Welcome everybody to our incredibly extra special edition of the Youthscape Podcast because it is our one year anniversary. Hooray! We never thought we'd get this far, but you make it possible. So we are here, one year in. Martin, I thought we were doing the whole episode as a musical. Yeah, we should, as in the style of La La Land. So how do you feel one year in? I feel surprised. Yeah, do you? Yeah. It's gone very quickly. I thought someone it? would have pulled the plug on this by now. I think no one knows we're doing it, is probably That's why. It. That's not true. Not do you told. know we've got listeners? Well, our listeners, are. I, I see them as part of the family. I see them as part of the kind of the rogue network that makes this underground podcast happening. I'm in the powers that be, whoever they are. Are you, are you about to start talking about the Illuminati? The Illuminati have no idea we're doing this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if they knew, they'd pull the plug. Well, so we are, I mean, Ooh. it's a good place to start, actually. Yes. We are very grateful to yes. our supporters yes. and listeners, our patrons on yeah. patreon.com slash youthscape, if you could join them. Uh, we're, we're really grateful to mm. um, all the people who've got behind this. And I have found, uh, particularly over the last few months, I'm increasingly bumping into people who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I listen to the podcast. Yeah, I heard the podcast. So so if, if you're listening, thank you. Uh, because we do sometimes feel like we're talking to this strange, large, white eyeball, which is, <laughs> that's what our, 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 our microphone looks like. Um, and, um, and it's a bit weird, isn't it, being in this, this room, just sort of chatting to each other. I, I, it is, except I quite like it, It's actually. nice to catch up, isn't I, it? I, I think, I mean, this, we do obviously have conversations that are not recorded. Not many. Not many. No. We do tend to have We actually, we're a bit like an on-screen couple who, who actually once, as soon as the, the camera stops but rolling, what? they hate Despair, each other. Yeah. Go know? away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. No, but it's really fun. And we've got in front of us a list of all the incredible people that we've spoken to. And just looking down, actually, I feel quite overwhelmed because this this is a phenomenal lineup. But there are still so many people who we're going to be There's speaking to. so many people to. we haven't spoken yeah, to. <laughs> Compared to the whole population, yeah. there's quite a lot more Just at the moment, we've only spoken to. to about 50 or 60. So that's incredible. But what, what are your highlights? Highlights from the year? last year. It could be guests. It could be like who mm. you work with, your co-presenter. Yeah, I mean, it I'll could think. be about her. I'll think about that. Okay. Okay, so let's start with guests. Okay, let's start so with I, <laughs> Memorable moments. Yeah. I, I have to say, one of the most fun podcasts we had was with um, Mike Palin. Oh, um, who's yes. A phenomenal guy. Uh, <laughs> truck driving. He's a, he year. talks about truck driving before getting into <laughs> yeah. youth ministry. And he's a real advocate and supporter of youth workers. Runs a, a little trust based in Harpenden, a 267 Project. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, he's been a great sort of friend to us as well and um, and gives up lots of time to support youth ministry mm. projects and things. And, uh, and he and I just had a sort of a chat about becoming older men. And I enjoyed that. In fact, it, 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 we never actually said the word, did we? No, but, but there were um, lots of cross legs, weren't there? There were lots of cross legs, <laughs> and we were just talking about, you know, medical appointments you'd have <laughs> at our age. And um, and oh, I think we renamed dear. that episode the podcast. I think you probably did. You did. Um, I my memories. I mean, I enjoyed all of them, and I'm not saying that just to kind of be cheesy. But I think every single one of our guests, we've we've got them into the room thinking they're going to say one thing, and they've ended up taking us down different. Yeah. And I really love that. And, I, and also, lovely listeners, um, you probably think that this is a finely oiled machine. Well, you probably you don't, probably don't think, think that, that, actually. Um, but our lovely guests, we, we're not very good at saying, we're, these are the questions, and it is actually as spontaneous as it sounds. And so these lovely folks will sit between us thinking, what on earth are they going to ask us? But they just bring brilliant wisdom because it's it's who they are, and it's their, it's kind of the stuff that God's given them. So I think 
In terms of voice, Matt Summerfield, I don't oh. think you can beat him for a radio voice. You love his He's voice, He's got a pretty cute you? face how as well. Did you, but how did you describe... Chocolate. It's, uh, it's like molten chocolate. Molten chocolate. And there are some voices that can send you to sleep. This is not one of those, but it's kind of like the... Like that timbre. Is that a word? Yeah, it is a word. It's like... Yeah, it's weird. So anyway... It so even means Matt, what you mean it to mean. Yeah, I mean, Matt, you say some pretty cool stuff, but it's the way you say it, mate, isn't it? It's what's beautiful. I mean, people do think you've got a crush on Matt Summerfield. I don't if, care. If Jason's fine. listening to this, he's he can be fine. very upset. He's got a crush on Matt Summerfield as well, so it's fine. Um, and who else? I think Jandela. Now, I oh, didn't yeah. interview her. You interviewed her. Yeah. Um, but I thought she brought some really distinctive stuff, particularly got, got me thinking differently about working with teenage girls, the whole issue around pregnancy yeah. um, and vulnerability and gender and yeah. just how particularly being a woman of colour. I think there's some fantastic stuff. And I think you did that interview really well because you set her up and she you were able to look... It was, it was like 90% Jandela, wasn't it? <laughs> let's it be was. honest. Let's, let's be honest. There were some good questions. but <laughs> There was, was a good topic mainly, entailing from you. Mainly her. Any, any, any of the answers sort of stood out? I mean, I, I've loved all of it. One of the things I've loved is the journey of the year because we've been talking... You know, the National Youth Ministry Weekend didn't exist when we started <gasps> recording. Did Facebook exist? Facebook had just started. Okay, <laughs> But the, the, the weekend hadn't. Okay. And so we sort of were talking yeah. about it on air and it sort of came to life, you know, right in front of our eyes. And so yeah. one of our great speakers at the weekend was Tim Chaddick, who I think mm. anyone who was there on the Friday yeah, night just, just were absolutely blown away by his Bible yeah. teaching. Uh, and he's just hilarious guy as well. Yeah. And he came and, and spoke about um, that kind of experience he'd had of, of, mm. of coming to faith in quite an extraordinary way, but also of... Um, uh, you know, going from being in a massive church in America and being the guy, you know, the mm. next, the next big thing, and he just chucked it all in and came and and moved to uh, to London and planted a small church, uh, and didn't even do that straight away. Actually, spent a year just learning as well. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really loved Tim Chaddy, yeah. but I thought that that uh, interview was really special. So these are these are quite good ones actually to pick out if you're just joining the podcast um, and uh, you're sort of listening for the first time. Um, then these are good ones to go back to Fantastic. first. Another great memory I yes. have is um, when we, if you were with us in the early days, you'll remember the, the, the we used to record it on sort of, <laughs> I don't Crackling know, yeah, a microphone made of paper. Oh gosh, it was, awful. it was terrible sound. Um, but we went and bought a, uh, a better Oh a yeah, better we microphone. were shamed into getting a better microphone we? Right? And by then, a guest. But you know, the first guest that we had with the new microphone was our finance director, Karen Hornet. Oh, yes. And we presented her <laughs> with... Yeah, the with, receipt. With the receipt. <laughs> on air. Live on air. So she couldn't really... No. She couldn't really say no. I don't think she's probably the start of that yet. No, she has. She has. She's been brilliant. I, I also... Now, I don't know about whether the listeners like this, whether this is just me more liking the kind of me running around, but I quite like the ones where like, I'm like, I've dragged someone into an alley and I've asked them questions. So Len Kegler, bless him, we're in the freezing cold. You dragged Len Kegler into I an alley? I did, in Birmingham. Can you believe it? And then just told him to say some brilliant stuff and he did. And then Christy Wimber, I mean, she was literally, the, the engine was running, but she was so eager to give some stuff for, for British youth workers. I think we're going to see if we can get another interview with her. Do you know this, that's our most downloaded screen. podcast ever? And it's yet the shortest, isn't it? Because yeah. she says literally there could be a four theme there. sentences. That could, yeah. oh, we could be learning from that yeah there you go <laughs> Skegness and Christy Wimber and, and uh, we've had some other great ones um, Andrew Root was fantastic uh, Kendra Creasy Dean who was uh, interviewed by the guys from Concrete um, w- was brilliant as well um, and then I do have I do have a little regret and that Ooh. is Dear Paul Friend oh 
who we had, who was fantastic. Oh. But um, I do distinctly we remember. We both of us sort of bombed it was that the, one. It was the end of the day. And mm. I just remember, if you go back and listen to the Paul Friend interview. Oh, are we both a bit tired? There's a moment we're both falling asleep. And also, I'd gone all the way down to Brunel Manor for something else. Yeah. But then recorded the whole interview, came back, and it hadn't recorded. Oh, yeah. So he was so kind to us. And, yeah. then, and then we were just retired. And we're just basically <laughs> really like, sleeping. We weren't really listening to We're like, Paul, just talk. And he did. His stuff was brilliant. But you and I are a bit like, uh, weren't yeah. we? I mean, let's be honest. People don't listen to this podcast for you and me. No, they don't. They listen for the guests. We love that. But um, we're also massaging your ego. Now, ah, anyway. Now, um, today, you know. Yes. We have yes. one of, and I know, it's, you know, I know we always say this, one of the best interviews I think, certainly I've been involved in um uh, uh, on uh, on the podcast yeah and uh, and it's your friend of mine mike royal oh bishop mike royal bishop mike will we go into that in some detail yes good. um but um i think this this joins the upper echelons of podcast moments okay um, so buckle it, up, it, yeah people. this is really special so have a listen to bishop mike royal the escape podcast well, I'm very excited to say my guest today is Bishop Mike Royal. Hello. Uh, I, I'm very excited. I'm going to get onto the Bishop stuff later on. But um, as a sort of a preamble, last time we saw each other, we were recording a Youthscape podcast. Yes. Uh, on stage at the National Youth Ministry Weekend, which was a surreal experience from memory, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just a great weekend. It was um, wonderful to welcome Youthscape to to Birmingham um, to host you as an organisation and to see the way you had brought people from all over the country um, to a great place where we were ta- able to have a, a, a rich conversation about youth working great We work. did, we had a good conversation uh, about young men particularly, didn't we? And, we did. Uh, 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 we, might, we might touch on some of that stuff again today. But uh, So you, you, you are a returning visitor to the Eastgate podcast. I think you're only the second person to get on twice. Oh wow! So, I'm honoured. So uh, well, you should see that as a great honour. But um, but your 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 name goes before you, as it were. So uh, so you're you're actually a bishop. I am. But not not a bishop in the in the Anglican sense, that I understand it. So what what kind of bishop are you? Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm a bishop um, in another denomination. Um, the denomination I'm in is the Apostolic Pastoral Congress. But I would be a bishop in exactly the same. Um, uh, process as an Anglican bishop. Do you have a strange costume you have to get into? Yes, I do. Oh, really? What's it like? Yeah, it looks pretty similar to the the Anglican ones. Um, I think ours look, you know, really quite ornate. So no, I love wearing it occasionally, but to be honest with you, I get a little bit sweaty in it. So um, yeah, it's all very hot, but um. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's good. What, but do, what are your bishoping duties? Like, what do you? Yeah. What do you have to do as a bishop? Yeah. So, um, I I now have some um uh sort of responsibility for um looking after pastors, kind of in the Midlands kind mm-hmm. of area. Um, I'm based in Birmingham, um, and I have special responsibility in our congress for social engagement strategies. So all the stuff that I do with Cinnamon, mm-hmm. with with TLG, mm-hmm. um, is all very kind of relevant. And um, I'm a bit of a one-stop person for a lot of our ministers to come to when they're thinking about how their churches kind of outreach to the local community. Cool. And you, um, you've 
long term been in- invested and involved with working with young people I have. and continue to be very yeah. invested in that area um, and you're and you're a bishop so so potentially you're quite an important person a sort of a, a, a bit of a linchpin for the youth ministry community in terms of accessing and leveraging you know um, uh, access to the wider church other church leaders and and, and uh, the, the issues around young people and making them aware of them yeah, I take that responsibility really seriously. I, I, I've been ordained 25 years now in pastoral ministry, 1993. Um, and, um, you know, 1994, I sort of to 98, I was national youth director of a Pentecostal denomination mm. with sort of 120 churches. And I was like wet behind the ears and thinking, what do I do now? Um, but that journey from there and kind of into all the stuff that we did with children and young people with TLG and and now kind of with Cinnamon, which is a broader canvas, um, it does give me opportunity to be able to influence agenda, mm. um, influence that agenda in a wider church setting. And I think it's important that the, the young people's agenda is heard, and most important, that young people's voices are heard. So we're just going to call you Bishop for Young People, Mike Royal. <laughs> I just, I just, I'll have some of that. I've just added to that to your title. I think that's your national role now. Um, so, uh, so Bishop... Uh, we start I mean, just I, I'm enjoying it <laughs> I, know I don't you get are. to spend much time with bishops I know that can be hard for most people to believe um, but, uh, but, but before we get on to cinema and all that stuff I was intrigued as we were going to, uh, we're walking up to have this interview uh, to discover your, your former life yeah. as a, uh, a town uh, or an urban planner yeah. so what, what did that involve because I secretly am intrigued by the, this area, and if I wasn't doing anything that I was doing, if I wasn't in ministry at all, I think I might be a town planner. Yeah, well, I, I was really influenced um, by uh, my brother-in-law, um, who's a little older than me, who kind of went into the built environment um, as a, a surveyor, and um, and and in, and in the end, when I looked at it, actually, it was a town planner I really kind of wanted to be. I was interested. I was interested in a particular part of town planning which was about getting people involved in the process of what goes on in their area. Mm. Um, so we used to use a system called Planning for Real, which was basically a way in which you tease out from people what do you want to see in your locality. So grateful participation. And obviously, kind of working with young people, it's really important that they're participating in and what you're planning and activities. Mm. So I've brought lots of the skills from urban planning kind of into my work with young yeah. people and listening to voices. And if I can just say, I mean, I'm doing a piece of work at the moment with other youth workers in Birmingham around kind of uh, interventions with young people who have perhaps are on the cusp of getting caught up in, in, in kind of negative peer groups and gang activity and, and actually listening to those voices and teasing out what they've got to say is a really important part of the yeah. producer. Yeah, so this is why I brought this up, actually. I know it sounded a little random for a minute there, but um, but the other thing you mentioned is, was that a lot of this seemed transferable to to your ministry, actually. And uh, and, and I wonder, is this, a, is this a classic mistake that you see churches and ministries making, just not, not listening, not starting by listening? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know... It's the old saying, you know, listen to, so start with understanding um, before you're understood. And, and I think it's important that we listen, we listen deeply, um, we listen well, we reflect on what we hear, and then together we journey 
and work out what are the ways ahead. It's the only way you can do effective kind of youth work and it's the only way you can find ways to support younger young people to be the best version of themselves they can be. Now, I, uh, I imagine uh, if you're listening to this and you classically work with um, a white middle class uh, group of young people who are used to sitting down and being involved in those sorts of conversations, uh, you might think that sounds great. There may be other people listening think, well, I work with kids who don't want to have those conversations. Who, you know, that sounds a bit scary to me. So how you put a bit of sort of like, um, you know, uh, flesh on that. Mm. How do you actually mm. listen to the voices, particularly of the most marginalised, the most at risk, uh, young people who maybe don't want to sit down in a focus group? Yeah, um, listening doesn't have to be done sitting down. It can be done in an activity environment. Um, the key thing is, is that we create an environment where young people feel, feel valued. And if they feel valued by you, then they will feel that their voice is valued. And then suddenly they will, will open up. Mm. Um, and, and my sense is, is that, particularly in urban areas... A lot of young people are under a lot of pressure and feel very kind of uptight. And if we can get them out of that environment, get mm. them playing, get them having fun, get them doing stuff that is mm. scary and they've never done before, suddenly the child in them kind of comes mm. to the surface again and they begin to want to express themselves around what, what, what some of their hopes mm. and I guess some of their disappointments mm. are. And so we're able to have a conversation and journey together. That's great. That's really, really practical. So uh, you, you wear a lot of hats. I mean, we started with your bishop's hat, which I presume has a special name or something. Uh, mitre. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, but, but not football mitre, just like just a, mitre. You don't wear half a football on your head. No. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome for you. Do, um, you wear a couple of other hats, though. Um, yes, and, uh, one of which is uh, uh, cinnamon, which I promise we are going to get onto, yeah. uh, and the other one is uh, TLG. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about just just for um, people who don't know anything about TLG, yeah. what what is it and what's your role? Yeah. Um, so um, TLG um, is a, an organisation um, that works um, with children. Um, and young people who, for whatever reason, have not thrived in mainstream school. It's all about giving them a hope of a future. Um, and um, we use um, coaching, one-to-one um, -one coaching um, with primary school and secondary school children. But also those who perhaps have been excluded, we can provide alternative mm. provision with them in partnership with local churches. So mm. it's all about enabling the church to work better. Um, with, with, with young people and children. And it's been quite successful, hasn't it? I was talking to uh, another, another one of your colleagues a while back um, and, and he was just talking about growth and, uh, and, and expansion and it, yeah. it sounded like you have a model that's really working. So what's the secret? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, some, some great models. So, so I, I, I mean, I've been involved now for 20 years um, and um, I sort of pioneered the, the education centre side. So... You know, you know, setting up schools for young people who are at risk or have already been excluded from school. But the real model that now is replicating really quickly is our early intervention model. I think the reason why it's doing so well, because it's really easy to do, it is about groups of coaches from local churches being trained to go into their local schools, 
and provide an hour of support for children who may be struggling mm. and, and their families too. And I think churches have just looked at that and gone, we can do that. Mm. And that would make a big difference to um, our community and it would link us really well with our local schools. And is it is it nationwide? Yeah, it is absolutely. So if, if people are interested, people are listening to this and interested, is there just what's the first? Yeah, go to the we- yeah go to the website um, www.tlg.org.uk um, and ask to speak to anyone um, in the early intervention team, and um, they would um, love to um, connect with you and, and, and talk about how. Um, they can engage with your church Fantastic. and partner with your church. Fantastic. And I think we have some more uh, some more of the guys from TLG uh, coming on the podcast shortly. So we won't, Wonderful. We won't go too, too into detail with that now. Fabulous. Um, so we're going to take off that hat yeah. and we see lying on the floor the half a football just, yeah. uh, just there deflated on the side. Yeah. Uh, and now the third hat is Cinema Network. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, again, is something which uh, it, it, sort of lots of people get to play. Yeah. So it might be something that, again, people might want to connect with after this. So t- tell us a little bit more about Cinema Network. Yeah, uh, so Cinema Network is, is all about just helping churches um, in their community engagement for community transformation. And um, the, the main way in which we do that is really connecting them with about 35 really good practice um, projects, um, some of them youth focused. Um, so, um, make lunch, you mm. know, making um, lunch for children who during the school holidays, you know, potentially could go without a, a, a good quality meal um, uh, uh, during holiday time. Um, TLG, um, but you know, coaching kind of children and young people kind of in school, um, and a host of other projects looking at lots of different kind of themes. Um, and what we're about is saying to churches, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can take one of these projects mm. and that organisation will partner with you and that can be your outreach in that area into your local community. And you've got a specific scheme uh, which our listeners might be interested in, yeah. which is sort of coming up in the, in the, in the next year. So t- tell us about that. Yeah, we have a scheme called Project Lab where we're really looking for the next innovative projects and people who want to partner with local churches. And this year, there's a particular focus on projects that are emerging from black and ethnic minority communities. Um, And so if you have a project that you're thinking about replicating in partnership with local churches, um, um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, And um, again, um, if you go to Cinnamon's website, you can pick up information um, on that. So really exciting. Fantastic. Uh, So uh, so you, you, what's your role with Cinnamon? Um, my, my role is, um, so I sit on the leadership team of Cinnamon yeah. and I kind of lead on church engagement. So I yeah. lead a team of advisors and all the outward facing kind of stuff around kind of church, engaging with churches and supporting those churches to be the best they can. And you, so you've been around the sort of church yeah. scene um, interdenominationally yeah. for about, I mean, I don't know, a long time. Yeah. All the time that I've been around, you've been around. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And possibly even another year or two, <laughs> if I may say so, beyond okay. that. Cool. Um, and, uh, and, and one of your... But I don't look like it. No, I mean, you don't look a day over 30. Mike. Thank you, bro. But, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, you know... Over that, one of the one of the key interest areas for you is is making sure the church is is engaging with the needs of black and ethnic 
minorities. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I wonder how you've seen that picture develop or change over the time you've been involved in the sort of parachurch, interchurch world. What I'm really thinking is, are we better now at serving the needs as a whole church of those young people? And are we as a church any more integrated uh, and and multi multi ethnic and, and multi or are we still pretty siloed in terms of white church and black church? What do you see? Well, firstly, I, I think that um, there is much more willingness um, for the church broadly to learn from the experience on the ground of black and ethnic minority churches and a recognition that actually these churches sometimes have been established in the community kind of 30, 40, 50 years, mm. sort of in, 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 certainly in the case of some of the very established communities, the, 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 the African-Caribbean community, which is a community kind of I'm from. Um, so I think there's a, a, a real recognition we kind of need um, to learn. I still think there's a long way to go mm -hmm. in terms of integration, mm -hmm. but there are signs of hope, um, and I think that's encouraging. I would just say that on, on all sides, it just needs to be a real deliberateness yeah. about um, coming together, but the key is listening and mm. understanding each other's and having a high regard and respect for the, the different approaches and the different traditions. And what would you, I mean, let's, let's push that a little bit further. So what would you love to see? Like, what would progress in, in integration, particularly? And I'm thinking about our, our youth ministry community here. You came along, along to our conference. You know, let's be honest, that room was, was a very white room. Mm. And yet we were in one of the most multi-ethnic, diverse communities in in Europe, mm -hmm. you know, right yeah. there, and yet it was a very white room. What would the dream be for you in terms of real, real progress and change? I think the dream would be um, that that everyone recognises they need to draw from each other. Um, I was talking to in the lead up to um, the 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 Youthscape event in Birmingham, and after the event, I was talking to to youth leaders and, and, and you know from the black community, and they were saying, "Wow, there's some resources there." That, that I didn't know were there. Um, and I'm sure that they were those in, um, you know, from perhaps, you know, predominantly white churches who were saying, gosh, these guys have got some insight in working with, um, you know, children in, 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 in cities um, which we haven't got and we could take their learning and take it back. And I think if we could just have that atmosphere of a learning community, that would be the way forward. Mm. And that means that we just have to take time out to, to mm. spend time with each other. So anything that brings um, groups of people together with different experiences is a great thing. And of course it will help that Stormzy is now the pin-up for evangelical Christians everywhere. Absolutely. We love Stormzy, he's done a worship I, song. I absolutely love Stormzy before he did the worship song and since he's done the worship song. And what I love about him is, is that he's edgy, and he's raw, but most of all, he's real. Mm. And we just need a real reality check in the mm. church. Mm. And he kind of does that. My hope is, is, is that he doesn't lose that rough edge. Yeah. Because it's that that makes him prophetic. And boy, do we need more of that in the I mean, church. he is truly prophetic. And, and I thought that the, the Brits, which was a little while ago now, where he... 
he was pretty strong in his critique of the government, but it needed to be said. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and you know, I'm not trying to eat out of this story at all. I have briefly spent some time at Grenfell, very brief amount of time. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I noticed when I was there was an unreported area uh, under a, um, there's like an underpass there where local members of the local community have pinned up their stories and they've made not a shrine but sort of a, uh, uh, a they're trying to tell the real story mm. of Grenfell and they're saying mm. more people died here than, than is being reported. Mm -hmm. Awful things happen for awful reasons and no one's really mm. telling the true story. There needs to be justice. And what I thought was amazing was you had this guy who in his speech got up and said... All, all he could do was praise God. Like he, he literally couldn't get any other words out. It was remarkable. Mm. There's a man who, who deeply believes that God has, has been with him in his journey and has helped and has given him everything that he had, which I, I found quite moving. That he couldn't find, it was just his mum. He, he thanked God. He thanked his mum. And then he just couldn't think of anything else to say, so he just thanked God again. Yeah. And it was amazing. And it was yeah. in The Guardian. I thought it was amazing. The Guardian, yeah, the Guardian printed it. Yeah. Um, and then, or, or, or in the same evening... He's, he did this really prophetic political mm -hmm. uh, act about speaking out for the voiceless, which just felt like a sort of mm -hmm. Old Testament, mm -hmm. you know, prophet standing up there and saying, no one is, is speaking up for these people. And I just thought yeah. it was remarkable. It, it, it was. And I think that the speaking prophetically to power is really, really important. Too often as the church, and if I may say so, as youth workers, um, is oftentimes we're just happy to pick up the pieces of what society is doing to young people in our communities. And actually, sometimes you need to speak to the powers that be and say, the way you behave and the way you have forgotten and let down young people is unacceptable. And as Stormy said, we haven't forgotten. He says, we haven't forgotten Grenfell. I haven't forgotten Grenfell. We haven't forgotten Grenfell. I've got a good friend of mine who's going to be a pastor there and will be ministering in that community. She hasn't and her husband have not forgotten Grenfell. So it's great that it's on the agenda, mm. but we need to continue to make people feel uncomfortable. Otherwise, they will think they can just continue as things were always were, and that's unacceptable. Mm. And that has been, I mean, there were lots of people who died at Grenfell of, of all races. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, all white people in that mm -hmm. fire and, and so on. Mm -hmm. But it has felt like that has, has really struck a chord of discontent, like, rightly, in the black community uh, about, about just this, the government, you know, potentially turning, a, uh, turning, a, what, turning their back on it. And, and, and I wonder whether there's a wider theme um, you know, among among black young people, feeling like this generation they're, they're being let down by the people in power. I, I think that theme is echoed it w by young people in all communities. Actually, um, I think that Grenfell is the tip of the iceberg, mm. and um, and really, actually, if we're honest as a nation, it it shamed us all over mm. the world that the fifth largest economy in the world mm. could have that happen yeah absolutely. um and um, i i i don't know how those who were in charge of housing in um that borough i don't know how they sleep at night mm. Mm. because 
that should never have happened. Mm. And my hope is is that it never happens again. But we've got to keep the pressure on. Mm. But I, I guess what what I'm thinking is, I mean, I, as as I say, I've I've spent literally an hour there, so I'm not I'm not yeah, an expert. Yeah. But but one of the things I, I I learned when I was there was just that it still feels like it was yesterday. If you're if you're there mm-hmm. in that community, you're still mm-hmm. deeply traumatized. Mm-hmm. Still still feels right. And I, and I I sense that there are many people who who were nowhere near Grenfell, but feel like it could have been them. It it it's there. It's sort of their, it's the, you know, the poor, the, the disenfranchised, those that have been sort of unvalued and left behind. Mm. Um, and I wonder what the church, what, the church has got to say something to that. I mean, Stormzy is our prophet, but what's the, what's the whole church going to do? Yeah, and, and so actually the whole church needs to get involved in issues like housing, issues like gentrification, because these are the issues that are driving this agenda. And... I think particular churches need to be very careful about the kind of church culture that they're building. Yeah. So are they um, almost um, emphasising kind of that gentrification? Well, I was going to say, churches getting involved in gentrification, there is a brand of, of, of church now there that, is. That, that is buying very much into that. And that needs to be critiqued. And I don't mind saying so. And I would say it to any of their faces as well. And if you're listening, come chat to me because I'm ready to talk. I'm deeply concerned um, because what you can't have is people parachuting into an area, creating a subculture and pushing out those who have had roots down for many years or those who have just arrived but are very very vulnerable and marginalised. Sorry, Mark, I'm enjoying this interview too much. We're just going to keep going. Um, (laughs) So I want to dig into that a bit because I think you've you've just sort of We've tripped over something really interesting there yeah. because I I figure that churches often don't know um, what they churches often don't know what they're doing. I mean, <laughs> per se, but churches often don't know the damage they're potentially doing with something like that. So, um, on the one hand, we have our sort of our, our outreach strategy and our, our desire to, to to really connect with millennials, particularly the younger generations. Mm. We you know we want to put on a cool, authentic. Mm. I'm doing air quotes as I say authentic mm-hmm. uh, uh, experience for um uh, for that will attract people. And I just want to, at the same time those people will be talking about justice. A friend of mine's a uh, a pastor um in in uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. and he was asked to speak at. A, uh, something called the Justice Conference, mm. and it essentially booked one of these churches where they had the sort of urban clearing mm. had happened in order to gentrify the area and put a massive mega church mm. into uh, what used to be people's homes, what mm. used to be you know um, mm. projects mm. there, and uh, and so he refused to speak and they and and got into quite a lot of trouble for for blocking about it. But he he basically pointed out, you know, you're, you're actually talking about justice while at the same time committing this great act of you're mm. contributing to a great act of injustice. Yeah. And I just wonder if it's one of those things that floats under most people's radars. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, there is this thing, of, I, I heard a phrase um, used recently, the, the awfulfication of, of cities, where people come in and go, oh, isn't this just terrible? And, um, and then, but, you know, God's called me kind of here, to, to make a difference. Um, and, and, and then what actually happens is, is is that a load of stuff gets done to communities. Unacceptable way mm. of, of behaving. Mm. Actually, we are all on a journey. 
and we listen to those who are our neighbours and let's remember who our neighbours are. Mm. They aren't those who look like us. Mm. And we journey together as people who are all trying to make it through yeah. with equal value. And if we underlay whatever happens with those principles and recognise that the personal is political and we all come with our baggage and we all see the world through our own lens and we check that out and we mm. check out our own privilege whether that is race whether that is colour whether that is education etc whether it's gender whatever it is if we check that out and are honest about that and keep returning to that then we can be far more authentic than some bright lights and uh, a show that everyone enjoys and goes home and says, well, what was that all about? Yeah, yeah. But you can post great pictures on Instagram. That's the thing. So you can't Instagram real authenticity. That's the problem. You can't. You can't. And you wouldn't. That is the point. You, you wouldn't. I, I was just talking to a friend of mine last night um, who's just come back from, from Pakistan. And we were having a conversation. He just done, done some amazing, been involved in some amazing stuff out there. For, for lots of reasons, he couldn't put that on Facebook. Mm. But, but the Lord has seen mm. kind of what he's done together with those churches and those communities. And, um, and that's fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mate, I mean, that, that has been a fantastic... I mean, we've done a lot of hats in the we last uh, little while but yeah we've you. done the trilby we've done the tea cozy we've done everything <laughs> we've done all the hats <laughs> but you i mean that's been a fantastic and may i say quite prophetic interview so thank you, thank you. for for making the time today mike uh, bishop mike royal martin it's been an honor thank you It's an outstanding interview and, I, and it just reminds me that whenever I'm with Mike or I hear him speaking, I always feel such a challenge. He's got such a prophetic voice and he manages to, in a really a powerful way, kind of call out the blind spots in, in the body of Christ and the church. I often find that I'll walk away from hearing him and think, oh gosh, I, you know, I've, I've really fallen into, into the, that trap or I've, I've not thought about how this might come across. And, and you and I have talked about this quite a lot mm. in the podcast, Martin, just that that there's nothing wrong about us wanting to create events events that are shiny and are are slick and are professional and are the best that they can be but but if that's all there is if there's nothing behind it then it's hollow and i think he he it's a it's a right challenge that i i have to take really seriously actually because i think even how i use social media how i talk about stuff the question is, what's what's behind it for me? And he ch he challenges me. Did, yeah. did you feel yeah, that yeah, when yeah. you were sat with him? I I mean, he's brilliant because he he could tell you off for something and make you feel so affirmed, you know, at the same absolutely time. affirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's exactly. very yeah. Um, so that's great. Man. But but he did bring a, a little challenge there around sort of gentrification. Yes. And how churches are sometimes complicit in that stuff. And my hunch is that in most cases, um, those sorts of church plants are a bit naive. And it's never malicious. It's no, never done with eyes no, open. It is, no. as you say, it's blind spots. It's never sort of thinking, oh, well, you know, it's a good job the poor have moved out of this area because then mm. we can have our really nice middle-class church. Yeah, that would think never be very That's the intention no, of no. any of these churches. But it is a reminder that if you are planting a church or a, an expression of church 
or, or, or anything into a community. You have to listen mm. to that community. You have to understand not just what there's now, but what the history is of that place and what mm. the significance of that place and what the spiritual story is mm. of that place. And I wonder whether sometimes that's where these kind of newfangled, you know, uh, <laughs> a great church plants maybe fall down mm. because they just go, great, where can we do it? Oh, there's this cool jazz club over mm. here where we could um, we could just plant a church and mm. they don't really take any any moments to, to sort of look at the history or the, or the mm. um, demographics of the area beyond the fact that it is a place where hip people go mm. and they don't ask the question uh, of what's got it to that, mm. that point. So I, I think, honestly, it's a really good challenge, but but it's also a kind, it's a kind challenge. Mm. It's like, guys, let's check our privilege. Mm. Let's, let's really understand the communities that we're planting mm. into and let's not make these these mistakes. Mm. That's, that's all it is. And I thought Mike brought that brilliantly. He does, absolutely, because hip people need Jesus. So I think, I, th- I think you're absolutely right that we don't want to kind of jump for off one bandwagon onto another bandwagon. But I think I love what you said about understanding the story of a place. And as youth workers, actually, I think often because we work very incarnationally, often we work with much smaller groups, much smaller budgets. Even if we're from a large church that is able to resource more things, often I find the youth ministers and the youth leaders are often the ones who are le- really leading the way in connecting outside of the church denomination and connecting with other groups and hearing the stories from young people and some great stuff mm. comes out when you connect with young people and allow them to tell the story of their area and I and, and you're right checking the privilege is is so important and I, I've, I've sat in situations where people have had to call me out on my blind spots and I and sometimes I feel a bit defensive like wait a minute I, don't you know my heart my heart is to love you but actually I need to sit there and take that and hear that and then change what I do mm. Um, it's we in terms of how we work with women. It's called emotional labour. You need to do some emotional labour on behalf of of each other because actually some people in our church communities, some people in our communities are having to work a whole lot harder to have their voice heard. Mm. And those of us who are having our voices heard, we need to do some emotional labour on behalf of those whose voice are not yet being heard. And, and Mike, I think, calls that out of us a lot, time and time again. So brilliant interview, Mike. Awesome. Yeah, we've covered a lot of stuff today. We have. And I think we're probably at the end. So just uh, uh, a few bits of summing up. We want to do a few shout-outs. We want to mm-hmm. say hello to Isle of Man, Yes. Alaman. Alaman. Yeah. Um, which is uh, is Alan. Alan and no Alex and Alex. Um, Amanda. I've messed that up. Alex and Amanda in Brown, and they they run the Scripture Union sort of task force on the island. So they bring young adults from all across the UK to live there for a I'm year. I'm sorry, Alex, um, but you might consider the alternative name Alan. That would make <laughs> make it easier. For make me. the podcast easy. Thank you, and also hello to all the staff and the students and the alumni of the curiously quiet. Princeton Theological Seminary. They're probably not quite. I don't they're think just, they're listening. They're just getting on with their lives. But like, we're doing shout outs. It's a tiny drop in the ocean for them. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and also hello to Lauren Cheshire. Yeah. Who we love. We do love um, And uh, just, to, just to sum up, we'd love you to um, get in touch. Podcast at youthscape.co.uk or all the other normal ways. Uh, that's it from me, Martin Saunders. And from me, Rachel Gardner. Looks like we're doing the news. <laughs>